Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Staller from the Hockey News alongside Pat Williams. We got to start today's show off in Western New York, where the most buzz with prospect news is flowing in with the Rochester Americans. Buffalo made news by calling up Yuri Kulik and Isaac Rosine earlier this week. We were calling for Kulik in particular. Both players, former first-round picks, have played very well. Kulik played in a game. Rosine played two. Um, and Kulik was then reassigned on Wednesday. Rosine is staying. And then further to that, yesterday we got news that Devin Levi, on Tuesday was reassigned to Rochester. So lots to unpack here. Um, let's take this in segments here. I want to focus first on Kulik and Rosine. We talked about this where Kulik, I was calling for him to get his cookie, get the call up. He deserved it. But now there's no point in him kind of being the extra forward. So it makes sense to send him back down with people getting more healthy there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this I think, I mean, I, I love the way the Sabres have really sort of managed not only these two prospects, but really all their top young prospects. Oh, I agree. Years. I agree. Um, we were talking about J.A. Paterka, uh, Jack Quinn, uh, Matias Samuelson, um, you know, right down the list. I mean, they've had, you know, a really good group of young prospects coming through. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know. And even patient, too. Yeah, patient, right? And, like, that's the hardest thing, I think, generally, that you see with, with, with NHL clubs is, especially, I mean, like, in the case of Quinn, you're talking a top 10 pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rosine was a, a 14th overall pick. Like a lot of pressure to get those guys in the lineup, especially when the NHL team is struggling and, you know, the fans are kind of clamoring for, um, for that, that, you know, that, that, that boost of hope. Yeah, for um, sure. But this, the, you know, I think to their credit, the Sabres really have stayed the course. Um, it would have been very easy at different points, uh, certainly to, to give them a call up sooner. But, uh, you know, and really it was why Seth Appert was brought in back in 2020 um, as the head coach in Rochester. You know, yeah. a, great, a great background in, in, you know, not only player development, but player development with, with the top, top high-end prospects, you know, like he had at the U.S. Development Program. So, you know, right through the, you know, the past year and change in Rochester with Rosine and, and Kulik, um, you know, they've, they've, they've managed to, to – straddle that line between letting them letting them do what got them to this point but also really working on refining the two-way game and uh you know certainly this year both players really took off i mean Kulik obviously was you know had an excellent rookie season last year you know 24 goals um you know just a, a player that you know it was uh, he's got a missile of a shot yeah exactly and you know, uh, he was named to the top prospects team by the league. So, and then I lo- what I love for both players is they got to really, really go on a good playoff run last year with the Amherst all the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, um, I think at this point it was it was it was the right move to give them that taste now, right? Like you do want, want to reward that work that they put in there, mm-hmm. and I think you know, uh, subsequent to that, like you know, all right. You don't want a player sitting around in Buffalo like if, they're, if yeah. there's not any time to be had right now. So for sure, him back. But you got a taste. He's he's he kind of scratched that itch a little bit, and now comes back and you know hungry for more. Like Kulik has done everything they've asked him to do in terms of uh, really you know bearing down and, and getting to work on kind of those less you know uh, 
less glamorous parts of the game, but the, the really, you know, essential parts. And, you know, like for sure, very mature for, for a young 19 year old, uh, Rosine, same thing. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love what the Sabres are doing right now. Well, here's my question. So Kulik plays one game. Rosine plays two. Mm -hmm. Kulik is more of a pure goal scorer. And I think that's going to be what he'll be at the next level. Rosine is a different player. If you mm -hmm. could speculate, why do you think it is that maybe Rosine would have earned more leeway here than a Kulik? I, you know, I, I think with Rosine, like, like he can kind of, you can find kind of find a fit for him a little bit more easily. Cause it's not yeah. just, it's that, not just the know. goal scoring. Yeah. Like we're like cool. I think if you're really going to bring out his best, like you need to put him in an opportunity, um, you know, Fair enough. play those, you know, those high end scoring type minutes. And so, you know, if it's not right, I think it's this kind of, just comes back to what the Sabres have been doing. They haven't tried to force something that's not there, right? For sure. But at and, the same time, if there is a glimpse, if you perform, if you are playing well here, yeah. you're going to stay for yeah. the time being, right? And, you know, of course, Biro, Brandon Biro is better to be a 13th four than Kulik, but, you know, they could have, they very well could have sent them both back down and, and found a way to say, all right, enough with that. But mm -hmm. Rosine clearly showed enough to say, hey, you're going to stay. And there's a ripple down effect, right, Pat? Because then Kulik sees... Sure well, I wasn't good enough. And then he can, you know, hopefully continue to apply his trade. Yeah. I, you know, and I think uh, this is where obviously, you know, both the player and, and, and staff, you know, have to be halfway, right? Like it has to be 100%. open communication, um, clear, you know, kind of uh, outlining of why, why are we we're making this move, you know, and the idea of like, we're doing this for your best, you know, long-term good. Uh, and then it's up to the player to certainly to buy that. I have no reason to doubt that that, you know, will not happen. I think Kulik has uh, got oh, a yeah. head on the shoulders. And um, I think, you know, who knows, right? You never know when the opportunity is going to come, right? Like, totally. You know, last Friday night, both of them are playing for the Amherst. Rosine has the game winning overtime goal on the breakaway. And 10 minutes later, they're getting the call up to the NHL. And they right, got it so in good fashion. You saw yeah. the video, hey? They uh, Seth Apper came in and said, "For sure, Cooley, Rosie, you're going to the national." Which is yeah, that's the best. If there's any, you know, all-encompassing elite content from AHL yeah. teams, it's those videos. Yeah, and so be ready. Like, that's the message, right? Like go down, go down to Rochester, dominate there, do what you have to do because at any moment that call can come, right? For and sure. Like, you got to no, be on a plane the next morning or, or that same day. In some cases, you got to go up to the NHL. So, you know, it's kind of like the fire department. You just have to always be ready for whatever might come your way. Absolutely. Now, Devin Levi. So, yeah, I got to say, like, this is so long overdue. I just, I never understood I, for the life of me. We talk about this all the time, whether it's Matt Coronado, whether it was, you know, the inverse, right? Where you send Nick Robertson down to Toronto and then he proves he's good enough. And now he's up there and he he's a regular, he's not going back down. Coronado, for instance, they brought up way too early. He needs to go down the HL. And then you look at the Devin Levi case and it's, it's perplexing because the guys never play. He played a cup of coffee in the HL last year. I'm uh, sorry. In the NHL, pardon me, not the HL seven games. And, and as one former coach once described to me as those games are Candyland, right? You're coming in from college. You've got like, so much energy. You've played 30 games a year. You know, you're on adrenaline. But then coming to this year, the goal for Buffalo without accelerating the plan too much, the goal was to make the playoffs and or at least try to be competitive. And just throwing Levi in the fire, 
it never made sense to me. Never made sense. Like in the last decade or so, we haven't seen a 21, 20 year old goaltender in the playoffs, NHL playoffs since Carter Hart. So, you know, doing that is such a, an empty or false promise to even think you'd be competitive. Okay. So he has nine games with the Sabres, 876 save percentage. Not great. I we're, we're in the tail of November. This should have happened a month ago. I think this should have even happened before training camp. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, him coming down to Rochester, we talk about Seth Appert, a guy we give a lot of credit to. He was asked because they still have Dustin Tokarski. They still have uh, Devin Cooley. And he was asked, you know, about the logjam. And he was saying, you know, it's my job to, to play the prospects here in this case. And, of course, we talk about you need that balance of avoiding development. But in this case, no doubt it's Levi's net. You give it to him and you see what happens. And and this is, this is, I can't overstate how long overdue this is. I, I just don't, especially with a goalie. Let's throw out everything from the past, but a goalie, I just, you got to build your game up in the right order. You can't go elevating. You can't go on an elevator at this stage of your career. Well, especially a three goalie system too, right? Like that was the part that really struck me as strange. Like, right. You already had Eric Comrie there. You already had uh, Lucan in there. Um, so what's the point of having Levi? So, yeah, like it. even even practice wise, like you're you're not getting less reps. Know, there's not enough. Yeah, you're not getting enough reps that way. So, yeah, I I, I found it a strange move at the time, just like you did. Um, I guess you know better late than never um, to set him down. Yeah. Um, I probably would have liked to have seen him go to Rochester when the schedule is going to be a little bit busier. Right now, it's a little. A little bit of a quiet period, um, you know, between December 1st and the 13th. They only play three games, um, two games this either. weekend in Belleville. Then uh, they have a, a one-game weekend next week, uh, at, you know, home game against Charlotte, and that's it, right? So, and like, I – Pat, we've talked about this before. You'll see where goalies going down to the AHL, sloppier game, more chaotic. Yeah. There could be a situation where he struggles, just – be adapting and the last thing you want is for him to have kind of a slow start and have 10 days of not playing in a two-week yeah. span yeah i just I, I don't get it i mean yeah well i get them doing it now better late than never you're right on that sense i agree you know i mean the schedule is what it is right but you like you know you look at different points like you know like had you sent them down a little bit earlier let's say um you know the Amherst, you know at one point i think they played you know six seven games in the two week span right yeah. so like that would have been ideal right like get them down even last week you know they, they had two home games against laval uh, a, a long trip down to lehigh valley overnight so yeah but again you know um what's done is done yeah um, at least so, at least we're sending him down there a lot of the season so now you, you you go there and you know they, they they're kind of in a, a stretch now five or six uh you know away from home uh, when the schedule does try to pick up again in mid, mid-December, you know, it's if he's still there, there's a lot of opportunity to play. So that will be good. Uh, they have two uh, back-to-back weeks of three and four stretches. So uh, there, there will be some opportunity. It's just now, mm-hmm. like you know, like you said with Appert, there's – now you have three goalies. Two of them are vets. Um, you know, it's just hard to get everyone playing time. Obviously, the prospect uh, will be the top priority. But, um, you know, it's it's – yeah, it's it's a little bit of a strange situation. I agree because you I mean you look at how patient the Sabers were. That's what I mean. Week, um, it makes no sense to then have a goalie start. You know, with seven games of experience, and that's it at the pro a three level. man rotation. In a three man rotation, but 
Yeah. I mean, again, what are you going to do? What do you, yeah. You know, you don't, I guess you don't, you don't keep doubling down, right? Like if it's not working, don't force it. Agreed. Hit the reset button, let him go to Rochester and play it, play what he can play. For sure. I want to talk about Brant Clark. Yes. 20, the 20 year old rookie right now, Pat is leading the AHL defenseman in scoring. He's got five goals and 18 points in 18 games. Eighth overall pick at the 2021 draft by the Los Angeles Kings. Last year, he was with the Kings to start the year a bit. Went down to Ontario for a couple, you know, the old cup of coffee conditioning stint, and then went to the OHL and scored like five points a game. Kidding, it was two, but it was pretty insane for a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Now, here's this small sample sizes be damned. Let me tell you this stat, Pat. So far, Clark's one point per game output ranks him number one among all under 21 AHL defensemen from the past decade to play 15 games. Now, that is the craziest stat only because not crazy good it's crazy good but i know he's played 18 games so i'm not here saying he's a point per game player there's a long road to go okay but if he stays that territory the top 10 of that stat you got the likes of shay theodore shay theodore philip ronick timothy lilligren jordan spence points aren't everything and we'll get to that with clark here but that level of production early on is it's pretty miraculous. I, I, I'm trying to... When was the last time you saw someone this dominant offensively as a young offensive defenseman? I'm talking purely offense here. Like, would it be... I'm talking about dominant. Like, I don't even know who's been this dominant, frankly. We're talking about point per game. No. Uh... They're really... Because, like, Jordan Spence was really, really good, but I don't think... Like, that Ontario team that year, two years ago, was a good team, too, as a whole. And I don't mean to take it away from him, but like you're watching Clark take over games right now. And it's yeah. pretty crazy yeah. what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the question with him is how do you, from what you see from around the league and how teams do development wise, how do you manage this? Cause you have the Kings who are a t- Stanley cup contender, four lines, three pairings deep. There's no room for Clark right now. Okay. And, and Clark has his worst defensively. How do you, get him dedicated to the process and not just scoring all the time because it's almost hard to bring a guy back like that, but he does, he does have defensive deficiencies and they have to be cleaned up before we can, you know, get the full result of his potential. Well, I think sometimes the best way to do it is when the opportunity comes um, at the NHL level, you bring him up and you let him really experience what he's had a little bit of a taste you know, um, a taste of the NHL earlier last season, but yeah, you know, sometimes experience is the best teacher, right? And it's true. Um, yeah, now obviously, the, the, that's not the ideal way to do it, right? Because but it might know, be the only way. Expectations, yeah. You know, you certainly, you know, have to consider kind of what's best for the, the you know, the LA Kings as a team. But uh, I have seen teams take that approach in the past. I mean, but I, you know, I think you know, in lieu of that. Um, you just have to stay on a player, right? Like it has to become, and that's where I think having good leadership also um, really comes into play on um, the teams that, that, that really go out and prioritize bringing in good solid vets to kind of, you know, because it's like anything, right? Like the teacher in school can tell you over and over, okay, you need to do this. You need to do this. But sometimes that, that, you know, I don't want to call it peer pressure exactly, but it is peer pressure in a way of, of having, um, kind of your fellow players push that message as well. I think that's, that's real key. So um, obviously there, there's a lot to like there. Um, 
I love a, play, a defenseman that's willing to shoot the puck. I mean, he's certainly yeah. he's certainly not shy. Um, so not I at think, all. You know, it's 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 the old adage like it's easier to kind of you know bring something, bring a player in than kind of have to like you know um, have to do get something to. where there's there's not much there. So um, so I think that that there's a, obviously a ton to work with in terms of the talent. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this isn't the OHL. Right, like, and the the NHL won't be the AHL. Um, so yeah, you gotta you gotta iron out those deficiencies now. Um, and it really comes down to like you know if you really boil it down, like knowing when when to make a play and, and, and when not to make a play, right? And like, and you know, the thing too is Pat is generally I feel like we've discussed a couple of times year one, not to let them play rogue and play totally free, but you want that confidence, them feeling good and whatnot. Yep. Year two is usually when things get corrected. Yeah. The second year is usually when, okay, so let's say Brand Clark will probably first all rookie team, all star, near a point per game at the end of the year. It's all great. And then usually you hear these stories where it's like year two, okay, now do you want to be in the NHL? Here's what you got to do. Yep. Right. And that's usually kind of the turning point because, you know, I, I just think that it, it's only, as you said, it's human nature, right? Like you're not going to mm -hmm. ha have him doing that now, and, and nor should you really strive for that. Um, but it's also there's also the factor too of of he's not in an organization like say, uh, who am I thinking of? Say San Jose or Chicago, where or you know even Columbus in, in some sense, where the games are kind of becoming meaningless and the environment is really not great, and that's mm -hmm. where you get. Teams get excited. They bring him up early. They play him too much. And those bad habits kind of erode. But he can't do that with the Kings. Like, this is a Stanley Cup contender. So that's another thing, too, helped me in that favor, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. And so bringing him up, yeah, that, that's a much, your, your games are, or every game you're playing, you know, is important, right? And there's no reward. Players. There's no yeah. reward. You can't give a guy a cookie like Buffalo can. Exactly. So um, it is a little it. tricky there. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, and you, I, I, don't, I don't generally want to see teams go this route, but uh, sometimes tough love too comes into play too, where maybe you have to sit a player down or you have to pull back. So, so you know, so those opportunities um, you know, you know, power play time, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, to get now, to all play. that being said, like, I don't want to, like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, um, you know, paint a picture here that, you know, Brand Clark is, you know, like, this is normal, right? Like, young defensemen, especially, most of them come in and there's some sort of hole. I, in yeah, them, you make a good right? point. And, we're just and, trying to kind of temper expectations, frankly. Sure. And I, yeah, I think, and I think it's important. People look at, you know, they look, tend to look at the surface level and be like, wow, look at the point totals. Hey, that's great. Like, you know, like, I don't mean certainly to, you know, to, to downplay that, but what's going to keep a defenseman in the NHL for a long time, really, a, you know, a, an elite level is that ability to, you know, uh, to manage your game, nice, right. And manage your game and manage your, you know, manager minutes and all that right and so this is what the hl you know the hl doesn't always particularly it's not always the glamour side and the fun side kind of like the you know the headline grabbing side you know uh, of the of the of the sport but in terms of you know just really getting those nitty-gritty details down perfect that's what the hl's there for and i think that's 
That's certainly what how it's earned its keep now for all these years. And um, you know, Brad Clark's not the first young defenseman to come in and have some have some things to work out in his game, but um, you know, he won't be the last either. And um, but you know, he has Marco Stern there as his head coach. Uh, you know, kind of a good setup there. Uh, they get to work every day with the LA Kings at their practice facility, so you're, you're getting a ton of development time, de- instruction time with you know uh, former NHL players on the development staff. So uh, you know, there's every resource there, um, you know, to, to uh, you know iron out you know what's uh, what still needs to be fixed in his game, and then from there, yeah, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I think um, the good thing for for the LA Kings is they don't have to rush him, right? Totally, like, uh, they can they can take their time, they can certainly do what they have to do and let him be, you know, obviously the guy in Ontario. And then when, when the time is right, you know, maybe next year, even um, that's when you yeah. make the move. And, but you know, he's only 20 years old. Like there's and they're no sure way. as heck not trading the deadline. So don't even start thinking that, <laughs> that no. it's not going nowhere. No, no. Stud. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on to our prospect of the week. Joshua Wa Laval rocket. Uh, forward has 18 points in his first 18 games. The 2021 fifth round pick is thriving in first line minutes. Uh, he has zero points in his last four games, but yeah. the goals and the objective with him is far beyond points. And I believe you spoke to him and Laval's staff about that for a recent story. Yeah. Um, so it's fun. It's interesting. Like, you know, for him, yeah, he really had to overhaul his game going back to the Quebec league. And again, this is a case where people look at the point totals and kind of, uh, they get dazzled by that, and that's great. Uh, but he worked with Stefan Julian uh, in Sherbrooke after he came over from St. John in a deal. And they really worked to overhaul his game, uh, both kind of on and off the ice in terms of his conditioning uh, before that point just wasn't up to uh, – certainly it wasn't up to a, a, a pro standard. Um, had that, you know, he was going to need. Uh, that's probably what, what – at least to some extent, uh, pushed him down to a fifth round pick. But uh, to his credit, he really bought into that uh, that message. Um, really worked in his last two years, especially to to um, round out that part of his game. Now he's in Laval. Now you have to try to incorporate all those lessons at the at the pro level. That much more difficult. Um, but uh, you know, certainly he's still having the success. Uh, you know, you know, production wise, offensively, but. Um, what's really going to get him there and, and help him stick in Montreal? Just as with every young player, we, we hammer this point every week, but it's true. I'm is learning to play 200 foot game. I think to his credit, he's a smart he's a smart guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders in terms of understanding why that's important, and uh, he's really bought into it. Uh, and uh, certainly, I think for you know for him, for himself, and you know, good for him. He's still getting the a chance to to produce, but he's also I think learning. You know, with a young team, right? Like, you know, that that's uh, they're in the bottom third in terms of age. A uh, lot of young prospects starting to percolate up through that Montreal system. There, you have, you know, Sean Farrell, obviously Neil Heineman. You know, right down the list. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, the the Habs are really starting to try to use that that system to develop young young talent. Um, a nice potential bargain there is a fifth round pick for for Juan. Uh, we'll see where he goes. Um, I think, but uh, you know, he's so far so good. You know, for a young twenty-year-old who's, you know, it's just really, you know, it's easy to forget. But you know, he's just really starting just to dip his foot in the program at this point. Absolutely. Now let's move on quickly to our team of the week: the Chicago Blackhawks, yes. starting with Nolan Allen. 
a rookie defenseman. He's a big part of the Seattle Thunderbirds run to the Memorial Cup final last year. He's in his first year with Rockford playing first pairing minutes. Uh, it's a big transition, frankly. I mean, and I think with, with Rockford, it's a fairly veteran heavy team in some sense, but for these young guys like a Nolan Allen, they're wanting to put these guys in big spots. And I wouldn't say it's gone poorly or or great or anything. I think it's just this sort of acclimation process. He's in a quarter of the way into the season, the bread and butter of his game. Like he's a traditional old school defenseman kind of right where he's a defensive defenseman type of guy. His isolated skills don't pop off the page. I don't think they're like subpar, but they're just not anything special right home about, but what's going to get him to the next level is his defending acumen. And I mean, they've thrown him to the fire in Rockford so far. Yeah, they have, you know, and it's, uh, Rockford's obviously a huge part of what, what they're trying to do with the Blackhawks. Um, so it's certainly what's happening with Chicago. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be an overnight type of, uh, turnaround. Uh, that's a team that really pretty much had to take everything down, you know, to the foundation and start to rebuild. Um, uh, now you're see, you have seen some talent to really start to come in the system, but I agree. Yeah, Allen is. Yeah, he's not. Nothing's going to maybe jump off the page, right? Like even in junior, his his point totals they were okay, but certainly nothing to write home about. And um, you know, but uh, you know, he's um, yeah, his bread and butter is going to be just uh, taking care of his own end. Uh, he's real nice. Real good skater. He's got size. So, you know, right off the bat, you have a lot to work with from a physical standpoint. Um, you know, it's, it'll, he'll just have to get a ton of minutes down and down in Rockford. Um, you know, and this team, I think that, you know, I think the central division this year in the AHL is a little bit more up for grabs perhaps than normal. And uh, so Rockford, I think, has every, you know, every bit of a chance, you know, as just about everybody else in the division to, to make some noise, to do, uh, you know, get in the playoffs and and go from there. And I think, yeah, for, for a young player like Allen, if you can just have a good solid first year, um, learn how to kind of carry over what what made him a success in junior, now do it at the pro level. And I think you know, but I think patience certainly will be uh, will be a good virtue uh, for the Hawks uh, as as they bring him along. Drew Camesso, a goaltender for the Rock for Ice Hogs, 2020 second round pick, 917 save percentage through his first eight games, played the last three years at BU, solid netminder, and they've done a rotation in Rockford, him and yep. uh, Stauber have been running the crease there, but Camesso is definitely taking the reins and become, I wouldn't say the number one, but he, he's performing the best, and I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a 60-40 over this next stretch of games. I, w- I would agree. Um you know, uh, I think he's uh, Stoppers. Stoppers, nothing to take away from him, but Comesso uh, is kind of, you know, higher a class. Player. Yeah, there, there's a there's a higher ceiling there probably, and you know certainly there's a a lot of hope there with with the Hawks in terms of what they're, they're bringing along. I spoke with Comesso as well. And, um, he's you know, he spent a ton of time in the off season getting stronger, and you don't always hear that with goalies, right? Yeah, I was gonna say you don't um, really hear that much at all. You know, typically you hear goalies, you know, it's all about flexibility, that sort of stuff. But, like, you know, he recognized to play a pro-level schedule, he's going to need to have, mm. you know, that, that strength, um, you know, especially, you know, the core and the, and the, and the lower body strength uh, to really take on that kind of workload. Um, he obviously got out of a fantastic program at BU. Um, he worked with uh, Jeremy Swayman and uh, Jake Ottinger uh, this past summer, you know, trained with okay. them. Um, so yeah, you know, two guys that 
you know, have uh, come through the HL themselves and, and been down that path already. And uh, so that was, that was a smart move by him. Um, and yeah, he's come in and been real solid, real, real smart guy. Like that right off the bat, you, you know, you talk to him for 30 seconds and boom, it's, it's, it's very clear that's, um, you know, real bright, real bright mind and um, really understands kind of uh, that pro game uh, has that, that maturity already. Um, you know, he's a player that, you know, got a chance last year at the world championship, gotten to play in the Olympics a year prior, you know, so um, he's kind of had, had a, you know, pretty, pretty cool level of um, experience for somebody that's only 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you're the Hawks, you have to be really excited with what you're seeing from him, especially early on coming into the pro game. I think the most exciting development for them, honestly, is Colton Dock, brother of Kirby, former Blackhawk himself. In another actually South Thunderbird alumni from yeah. last season's run. That was a powerhouse team. Um, yeah. So Colton Dock comes in from junior. I saw him play in the WHL finals quite a bit, actually. And right away, you see the size. Six foot four, big lumbering body. But I'll be honest, I did not think that his transition would be this smooth. And I am telling you, I'm surprised to see him have 10 points in his first 11 games. He has been extremely, extremely valuable for Rockford in driving possession you know, first line minutes, he's getting pucks on net. He's doing a lot of his production at even strength. A very encouraging start for him. And dare I say, he he might even get an NHL game this year. I would actually go as far to say that. And I and again, as I said, I did not expect to see that. It's been a great development for him. Yeah, you know, I think especially like coming off last year where he had the shoulder injury, like mid-year. Uh, I think fortunately for him, he got into the playoffs there at the end. So kind of was able to salvage the year. And then um comes into training camp this year with the hawks has the ankle injury misses the first month or so of the season but yeah like you know for a player where you know uh, i sort of have thought of him as a little bit more of a raw type player and yeah uh I what you just mean. come in and just yeah that 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 early uh the early success under his belt is great for him obviously and, um you know in terms of just yeah i love when they get that confidence under their belt right like you need to have that positive reinforcement for sure uh, and young players you know to get them to kind of buy into the rest of the message right like okay do this well especially for the big guys pat because what you see is these big guys come in and they've spent years dominating 16 year olds yeah and 17 year olds and they've only sorry and they've thrived and been able to be physical because they're simply big but in the pro game you got to move your feet you got to have your head up and all those things. Yeah. So, you know, and I, you, you make a great point. The surgery too. Like he, he kind of came in. I don't think the expect, expectations were, were at this level of, of where he's at. Cause he's kind of at the territory of like, okay, this is a guy, like this is a potential NHL player in a you know two years, three years, whatever it may be. And as I said, could even play in the NHL this year as a, a little cookie is like to say. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, you know, you look at those players, yes, and, and Doc certainly, you know, right at the top of that list. There's a lot to be excited about, you know, with 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 uh, with the Hawks are building. You know, it's been obviously a, a a tough road the last couple of years in terms of you know wins and losses at the NHL level. But um, flip side of that is they have been able to really put some um, some good prospects in the system now. Now the now the catch obviously is to have that patience and to bring exactly. it along in Rockford, but they have a good development program. They've, they've uh, been able to, over the last couple of years, you know, put in kind of a variety of players, whether it's high-end prospects like a Lucas Reichel or, you know, Cole Gutman coming in, kind yeah. of really impressing. Uh, it's a little bit of an unheralded guy. So, um, you know, different types of, uh, you know, backgrounds and, and sort of 
stages in their career, but uh, you know, Rockford's been a, a pretty good production um, uh, for the Hawks through the last couple of years. I'm all for drafting the best player available. Like I, I am in that camp, but I think when you're a team like the Hawks and you have like a plethora of draft capital, you got to mm-hmm. invest in players sometimes that are like a Colton doc where it's like, okay, maybe at this draft spot, he doesn't have the most upside per se, but if he hits his floor is pretty solid. And I think like with Colton doc, you know, at this rate, what you're seeing just the, the sheer tenacity and physicality along with his skill lining up right away. It makes you wonder. It's like, okay, at the very least here, I see a player that could be a third line checking for at the least. And yeah. again, Second round pick, whatever. You know, you'd want more. It's all crap shoot after pick 10. Okay, guys? Like sure. that's the reality. But I guess what I'm trying to say is even taking that swing, it's like if you have a Colton Dock and get him to hit or come close to his ceiling, you're talking about a power forward. And those yeah. are really hard. And a good and you're those are hard to find. And when yeah. you're building a team up from scratch, of course, the Frank Nazar's Oliver Morris, these young, speedy guys are great to have, but you gotta have some muscle. And I don't think you should reach for some guy that isn't capable of playing but when you have a chance here to, to kind of take a lottery ticket on it i think you do it i think it's 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 a very positive development for them that's that's what i'll say yeah you know i think sometimes people look at oh well you know maybe he's only so and so's only gonna be a third line player and they'll kind of like well that's a disappointment but hey you know what <laughs> you know that, that's a success if you can get a player in the nhl to become a yeah it's a it's harder when you have limited picks but you you're know right. it's um it's it's nothing to kind of scoff at so um yeah the hawks have been, you know, they've been they've been doing a pretty nice job i think the last couple of years just uh yeah really kind of retooling things and um and and bringing in that good young talent. And that's where really investing uh, in your affiliate and, you know, in your resources are really pays off. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a good way for a team um, to flex some of its financial, financial muscle as well. Um, so I think, yeah, early, you know, early on, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by what I'm seeing there. Absolutely. All right, let's go to around the eight before we cap off today's episode. Take it away, Pat. Yeah, so around the A, uh, first off, right off the bat, Neil um, Benstrom, uh, Cleveland, uh, player of the week, uh, fantastic um, performance. I mean, you know, he's one of those players like you know, Columbus wants here right now is an interesting or maybe not interesting, depending on how, maybe that's not the right word. Which might interesting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think he's a player that um, – Maybe he's been caught up a little bit, uh, kind of in that situation. Uh, goes down, uh, player of the week. Um, well, he's 25 goals in 31 games so far. Um, I guess the, the question with him is, 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 is he your classic tweener, uh, you know, bubble type players? Or, or is, at some point, can he start to bring at least some of this to the NHL level? Um, we'll see. But, you know, I mean, uh, for right now, certainly the uh, Cleveland Monsters will take it. Uh, you know, anytime you can. No kidding. Uh, yeah, anytime you can add somebody that um, pops uh, six goals in four games into your lineup, that's uh, not not a bad thing, right? So you know, it's, it, with Ken Johnson there now as well, like uh, Dave Jurchek there, uh, you know, they really are kind of uh, utilizing uh, the, the Monsters and certainly. Uh, Cleveland's been having uh, the win loss success as well. San Diego, uh, good for them. They finally break that 13 game winless streak. It was 0 10 and 3. Jeez. Um, 
rough, rough way to start uh, the season. They they had gone two and zero in opening weekend, and then yeah, it went almost till the end of November. Um, you know, before they got their next win, they defeat Chicago three uh, one last Saturday night. Uh, Matt McElveen, uh, the incoming head coach there, you know, like good for him. Like they need uh, some. Everyone there just needs something to feel good about, right? Like Chase DeLeo comes back. Obviously, uh, we're big fans of him from his days uh, w- w- with the Moose. Um, that was a boost for them. He'd been out all year, their captain. So, like, you know, bit by bit, like, there's some, like, um, some of those uh, clouds are starting to break up uh, in San Diego and uh, maybe maybe just a little bit uh, brighter um, stuff on the horizon for them. Uh, we had two trades in the AHL, uh, basically AHL-type deals. New Jersey, uh, the Islanders, uh, Arnold Durando goes to the Devils. He had 24 goals last year in Bridgeport. Uh, kind of had a slow start this year. This is a fresh start for him. Tice Thompson, uh, brother of Tage, uh, goes the other way to Bridgeport. Uh, um, so he'll get to kind of go uh, to a place where his, his father had been the head coach at Bridgeport for the uh, better part of a decade uh, before this year. So uh, just a fresh start for both players. And then uh, Chicago Black, or Chicago Wolves, I should say, Wilkes-Barre Stratton, um, Peter Abandonado, uh, an offseason signing, uh, flipped over to, to the Penguins. Um, so that's, uh, you know, a chance for him to kind of uh, get another fresh start. You know, he's a player who's bounced around a little bit. So last thing, uh, Will Bitten, Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, four point night last Saturday, hockey fights chancers night. Uh, he uh, he and his brother Sam, who's a teammate now in Springfield, started Bitsy's Army. Uh, it was uh, kind of a charitable initiative for their cousin uh, Martin Peach, who had uh, passed away in 2021 from, uh, from brain cancer. Uh, so a really cool way uh, to kind of pay tribute to his cousin. They were really tight, um, and uh, you know. It was interesting, like talking to the Bittens. Uh, they worked with the uh, Thunderbirds front office, designed a logo for Bitsy's Army, that helped design the jerseys that they wore that night. Uh, so, just a really, um, you know, really cool thing kind of uh, coming out of obviously something, you know, that's uh, very sad. So, uh, Hockey Fights Cancer, it's a big uh, initiative around the hockey world, uh, the NHL, AHL, ECHL levels, so on. So, uh, uh, kind of a, you know, a, a pretty neat. Um, Pretty neat performance there for, for, you know, one of the real, real solid uh, character type players around the HL. Absolutely. Good stuff there, Pat. All right. That caps today's show. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next week, we'll leave it there. Take care, folks.